You're listening to the Mindful Weight Loss Podcast, episode 45. It's time to look at weight loss in a whole new way. Instead of focusing on calories in, calories out, you'll learn how to use your brain to transform your body and heal your relationship with food. If you're ready to lose your weight for the last time, you're in the right place. Because it's more than what you eat. It's who you are when you're eating. This is the Mindful Weight Loss Podcast. Here's your host, life and weight loss coach, Dr. Michelle Tupman. Welcome back to the podcast. How are you doing this week? We have been doing so many interviews over the past month or two on this podcast. And, you know, that's because I... I reached out to a few coaches who had wisdom that I thought was important to share with you as you um, go about your weight loss journey. And as I did this, more and more people just came out wanting to be on the podcast. And there is just so much wisdom out there in the world that I couldn't help but share more of it with you. And today on the podcast is no exception. I'll be interviewing Dr. Angela Wiesenmeyer. She is a fellow physician who coaches women on goal setting. And she takes a very different approach to goals and one that I think is so important to understand when you're on the weight loss journey. Because we talk about on this interview, not just steps in making your goals, but understanding what your goals actually are, why they're important to you, and what you need to do to actually stick to them. And we talk about this all the time in the weight loss world. If you don't know your why behind wanting to lose weight, you are destined to fail each and every time. And understanding why you want to lose weight is actually easier said than done. I have clients who work on that question for a month or more before they finally disentangle all of the different reasons why they think they want to lose weight and get down to the real nitty gritty genuine reason why they want to lose weight. And that is really such an important first step. And um, Angela gives many tips on how to actually dig deep and find your why behind the goal to understand what it is you actually really want for life. And then to go out and get it when you're lacking motivation, when at times get tough, when you lose sight of your dream. So there is so much goodness inside the episode this week. Dr. Angela Wiesenmeyer is a board-certified pediatric infectious disease specialist, and she practices medicine full-time. She hired her first life coach 10 years ago and then became certified at the Life Coach School in 2021. She coaches women to discover what they truly want in their lives and then supports them as they develop the confidence to go for those things. She currently lives in Arizona with her husband, her son, and her rescue dog, a woman after my own heart there. All right, without further delay, here is the interview with Angela. Angela, welcome to the Mindful Weight Loss Podcast. I am so excited to have you here. Oh, I'm super excited to be here. 
And we are going to talk all about goals today, which let me tell you, any woman who has ever struggled with weight loss knows all about goals, particularly how to give up on them. Like we tend to be very good on that. We do. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. But, you know, before we really dig into the meat of it, Angela, why are you so passionate about goals? What, what brought you here? Yeah. So um, I have a very long love-hate relationship with goals. For a long time, I set goals and worked to achieve goals in order to make myself feel valuable and successful and worthy. Mm -hmm. And what I realized in that process through a lot of coaching was that I was never going to be able to feel those things that I wanted to feel just by continuing to set goals and work towards goals because mm -hmm. those feelings that I really wanted to achieve were only going to come from inside myself rather than outside achievements and successes. Mm -hmm. So once I realized that, then I was able to take a step back and really examine why I was setting certain goals for myself. Mm -hmm. And in that process, which I'll get into a little bit more, I was able to drop some of the goals that I thought that I wanted because I realized I wanted them for the wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. And then I was able to figure out what goals I wanted to set because they were true desires for me not because they were going to make me feel a certain way or give me any sort of value that I didn't already have. Mm -hmm. So through that process, that's completely changed my relationship with goals. And now I think about them in a totally different way. And it's, it's much more um, helpful for me and it's much less demoralizing for me as well. Yeah. Yeah. And oh my gosh, you said so much in there that I want to emphasize so much important bits, just, just in that little description. And one is, I think a lot of women, when it comes to weight loss, they think losing weight is going to make them feel a certain way, that it's yeah. going to make them feel worthy of love or worthy of the job promotion or, you know, res more respected in society. And that's not the case. You lose weight, you're still the same person. Yes. <laughs> right? And yes. and I think we set ourselves up from, for failure right off the bat if we mm -hmm. are making goals, whether that's related to you know, weight loss or health or anything, mm -hmm. expecting mm -hmm. to feel differently um, at the end of the day. So already that is a big, <laughs> you know, a, a pretty big thing. And then the second thing you mentioned in there was really connecting to the reasons why you want to lose weight. And I think also we talk a lot about that in the weight loss world too, because we often think that we want to lose weight for external reasons. Also because we think it's going to make us feel differently, but um, also because we want to be able to fit into a certain size of clothing, or we think certain things in life will be easier, right? And that that doesn't really pack an emotional punch, right? It doesn't really drive you <laughs> to do the work that you need to do to reach your goals. If you don't have a real um, intimate 
internal reason um, why you want to lose weight for yourself, not for anybody else, not for what society thinks you should look like, but, you know, for, for you. And so I think already you've hit on just two crucial um, pieces of this. And I think, you know, you and I are both physicians and we tend to have um, personalities where we're constantly striving, you know, towards the next thing. Um, and I think a lot of us have these goals because it's expected of us that we're just gonna, you know, you know, keep on doing the next um, amazing thing and and keep on overachieving. That we never even stop and take a pause to check in with what we really want, you know, for ourselves and for our lives. Yes. Absolutely. And and I think so many times, and I'm sure you see this with like weight loss too, women choose certain goals because we think we're supposed to, mm-hmm. right? Like if you weigh a certain amount and society says you're supposed to weigh less than that amount, you're like, well, I guess that should be my goal then. Yeah. Well, that everybody says that I should do this. So I guess that's what I'll do. But what happens is that you're not identifying if that's truly what you want, if that is in line with who you want to be in the world and your values. And so that goal, it it feels hollow almost. Mm -hmm. And so you're never going to be able to feel like you said, like you want to feel, even if you reach that goal, it's going to be a very temporary high because that wasn't even your goal to begin with. That was society's goal for you. Exactly. And I think the other negative about that is you're starting off from a place where you're already feeling demoralized and defeated because you're taking on this message that I don't measure up and I have to do this to measure up, which feels terrible. And, you know, we, we always say in the weight loss world, and it's such a cliche, but it's actually true that you can't hate yourself thin. And when you are trying to lose weight because of somebody else's expectation of you to do that, that's Mm -hmm. exactly, you know, what you end up doing is, is hating yourself through the process because you're getting this message that you're just not enough. Right. Absolutely. One of the things you mentioned in there was um, values. Mm-hmm. And so is is there a role for looking at your values and identifying your values when you're engaging in the goal setting process? Yeah, absolutely. So this is something I've learned as well, especially from women, is that a lot of women have trouble identifying their true desires what they truly want, because we have spent so much time looking outside of ourselves for guidance as far as, well, what should I be doing? And then we don't get practice asking ourselves, well, what do I want? Who do I want to be? And what do I want to be doing? So in goal setting, like I said, we, we often set goals that are, that are more should goals. Mm-hmm. Like I well, I should weigh that, or I should be publishing more papers. I should be doing more research. I should be accumulating more leadership roles, rather than asking us what we want. And so when I ask women, so I coach women um, to identify their wants mm-hmm. and then develop confidence to actually take steps to to go for what they want. And women will say, I have no idea. I don't know what I want because I don't, I haven't used that muscle. I haven't strengthened that muscle. So I've actually recently 
discovered a really cool technique for starting to figure out, well, what is, what is it that you truly want? So I read this book. It's by Daniel Pink and it's called The Power of Regret. Mm. And one of the things I took from that book is that we can actually look backwards in our lives at the things that we regret and use those things not to beat ourselves up, but to create a roadmap for our future desires. Right. Right. So there are four, he describes four categories of regrets. So there's foundational regrets, and those are regrets um, for things that have disrupted the stability of our lives. So those are either regrets of too much and not enough, right? So I regret that I partied too much, that I ate too much fast food, and now my health is suffering. Or I regret that I didn't save money when I was young and I didn't take advantage of compound interest. And now my finances are unstable. So those are more of those foundational regrets. Right. The next category of regret are boldness regrets. And these are regrets of inaction rather than mm. action, right? Like mm. I, dang it, why didn't I go for that promotion? Why didn't I ask that person out on a date? Why didn't I travel before I went to med school, you know, like those are boldness regrets. Right. And then there's moral regrets is the third category. And those are more regrets that um, were not in line with your core values and your idea of yourself as a good person. So those are regrets like infidelity, stealing, lying, um, bullying or hurting somebody else on purpose in the past. We can all, all remember probably some something that we did when we were younger and we it makes us cringe still. So mm-hmm. those are moral regrets. And then the last category of regrets are connection regrets. And these are regrets of um, letting friendships go, right? Just letting them drift away and then missing that mm-hmm. person, wishing you had maintained the friendship or wishing that you had spent more time with a relative before they passed away with grandparents or parents. Those are connection regrets. Okay. So when we think about goal setting to bring it back, we ask ourselves, what is it that we want going forward? Mm -hmm. We can look back and look at those four categories of regrets and see where we have regrets and then use those to help start to identify who we want to be in the future. Mm-hmm. And when we identify who we want to be in the future, that guides the choice of goals that we right. set for ourselves. I love that. So it it start I love that question of who who you want to be in the future and coming from that place. And um, mm-hmm. as you were talking, I, I was having this, this memory. So um, I actually have a big regret and it sounds like a silly thing, but it haunts me on a nearly daily basis. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you about it. Um, right. So I, during my residency, I did a master's in disaster medicine. And part of this was um, a three-week course in Italy. And this course involved um, a very large simulation with us, the participants of this course, along with the Italian military. And so it was a simulated plane crash and it was fantastic. They had a 
a, they had a plane crashed with, you know, actors as patients, like trapped passengers trapped, you know, in this, and we had to um, coordinate. And part of this was, you know, learning how to you know, have like civilian and military um, teams working together. And someone came to me and said, well, you will be the incident commander. You're the natural leader of this group. And mm-hmm. this thing was televised. And I like, I'm like, no, <laughs> no, I like I flat out refused to do it. And I was so afraid to take part in this simulation, um, partly because it was televised and, you know, partly because I had no confidence in myself as a leader. And not only did I say no to being incident commander, I volunteered to be the note taker. So I stood in the background and like recorded, like documented what had happened. And I came home from that trip feeling like just just terrible. It's like, why, why, like this was such an amazing opportunity for me. Why did I, why did I say no? And Mm -hmm. like, and, and this is not the first time that somebody has told me I'm a natural leader and I have always, you know, pushed against it. And Mm -hmm. I think why it caused me so much distress is that, um, part of me feels pulled towards being a natural leader and part of me pushes away because I'm afraid. And, mm-hmm. and, and so, um, one of my goals for a while, um, has been to be a leader in my family, in my job as a clinician and in my business. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so I love that idea of looking at past regrets to kind of identify what your values are and, and who you want to be. And so now when I have to step in to a leadership role, I'm still terrified, um, but it feels good to do it. Right. Right. And because that feeling that, that feeling of being terrified is so temporary, Mm -hmm. right. Versus the regret of, Oh, I should have done that. I could have done that. That has lasted for years. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Right. So you, you take some time to look at your values and you can get a little bit of insight about what those are by looking at those four categories of regrets. And you ask yourself that question of who, who do I want to be? And yeah. then what, Angela? And, right, then, right. What? and yeah. then what, right? Yeah. So, okay. So once you figure out exactly what it is you want it going forward by looking back, then you start to set goals. And, and one thing that I have found really helpful is that rather than say, um, okay, well, I want to run a half marathon. Let's say that's that's a goal of mine. It's not, but let's say that it was. I want to run a half marathon. So to me, that feels like, oh, well, that's unrealistic. And that's totally overwhelming. And I that's that's not me because it feels so discordant with who I am now, right? So there's there's that cognitive dissonance, like, well, right. that's just crazy. So Instead of saying that, I create a little bit of a distance. It's like a little mind trick that I play in myself, right? I create a little bit of distance and I say, I want to be a person who runs a half marathon. And for whatever reason, in my brain, that feels much less threatening. Right. Much less overwhelming because it's like, 
oh, well, what does, what would that person do? What does that look like? What is a person who runs a half marathon? What do they, what do they do in the morning? What do they think about? Right. How do they think about exercising or training or, or how do they talk to themselves before they go out for a run? Right. How do they deal with maybe not feeling like going out for a run or not feeling like training? Right. Yeah. So then it's like, it takes it away from who you are because you know that you're not a person right now who goes out and runs a half marathon. Right. And it, and it creates a story about a person. And then you start to say, all right, well, well, I could do that. Like I could, I could buy running shoes and, and I could start out by running a mile this week. I could do that. I could, I could be that person. Yeah. Yeah. Do you see how that like it, it, it yeah. gives a little bit of separation and a little, it feels a little bit less daunting then. Yeah. I, I love that. And it relates a little bit to what we always teach inside ways of health programs as well, um, which is to focus more on behaviors rather than outcomes. So it's just, we don't actually define goal weight in in, in our programs, right? We, we define ideal weight as the weight where you feel good and healthy and energetic, where you're metabolically healthy. And that involves a lifestyle that, um, works for you and that you can commit to over the long term. Um, and so, you know, we, we kind of abolish the concept of smart goals in, in that, in that little realm. Um, but, Part of the reason why we do that is, you know, if somebody wants to lose a hundred pounds, um, it is terrifying staring down a hundred pounds. It mm-hmm. feels impossible, just like running that half marathon. If you've never, if you've mm-hmm. never run before mm-hmm. and, but instead, if you do exactly like what you've said, and if you, you know, can start identifying as a person who eats fruits and vegetables every day, right? You know, that's, that's a place where we can start. And it's, it's like, what, what can we do today? What small little steps are going to get us, are going to get us there. And so focusing on those behaviors on the decisions right now, rather than focusing on the hundred pounds down the line. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I think is really helpful is changing the narrative about how we talk to ourselves Mm -hmm. too, right? Because our brain tends to talk to ourselves in superlatives like, well, I never exercise. I've never been able to lose weight or I always give in and eat the cupcake mm-hmm. or, you know, and so, yeah, or I, I always quit on my goals. I never reach my goals. Right. Rather than labeling yourself as that you can change that narrative. You can change the way you talk to yourself. And so one of the exercises that I do when my brain starts to do that is I look for evidence to the contrary. Sure. Sure. Right. So if I say like, well, I never stick with anything. I always commit and I never stick with doing that. Okay. So now I'm going to write down a list of 20 things that I've done, 20 goals that I've set for myself that I've actually accomplished. Right. Mm -hmm. And it can be something small, like, well, I set my alarm for six this, you know, this morning I actually got up, (laughs) right? Like I did it. That counts. Yeah. Yeah. And so by doing that, you show your brain, like, 
Oh, actually, no, I don't always give up Mm -hmm. on myself Mm -hmm. and I do achieve goals. I am capable of doing that. Right. And so it's a lot of changing the way that you talk to yourself and stop listening to the superlatives. So always in the never. Right. (laughs) And, and I, I think that we can also use those skills in, in the reverse. So I, this came to me a while ago, but I am forever losing my car keys. Like it's just a thing. And, you know, the last time I was in a rush to get to work and I lost my keys and my husband said, this is just like you. And right. Like just kind of, you know, reinforcing, you know, this, this thing, I always lose my keys. And I thought, what if we said those things to, uh, to ourselves every time we did, um, you know, something in favor of our goals. Uh Right. So it's like, you know what? I actually did go for a run last night. Right. I did. Um, I don't have a goal to run a half marathon. I just have a goal to run. Right. But it's it's like I did not want to go, but I went and I said to myself, that's just like me to go for a run. And it felt it felt really good. And and I like I've, I've been noticing now that I am doing that, you know, more and more. Like somebody brought, um, 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 Angela, you're, you're American, but here in Canada, we have Tim Hortons, which is like a Canadian iconic okay. donut shop, right? Ooh, okay. Um, so somebody brought a big box of Tim Hortons donuts, um, to the emergency department last night. And I had no desire to eat one. And I said to myself, you know what, that's just like me to not want a donut. And it, yeah. felt, it felt so good. And the donuts were a non-issue for me, you know, for my, for my whole shift. Um, so like, I think Rick Hansen is always saying that the brain is like Velcro for negative experiences and Teflon for positive <laughs> ones. So we, we actually have to put an effort into collecting uh, the positive. So I love that idea of sitting down and writing 20, 20 times that you have reached yeah. goals or, or followed through and did what right. you said you were going to do. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You have to show your brain that it's, it's mistaken. when it's telling you that you never do things or you always quit. Absolutely. I love that. Telling yourself like, oh yeah, that's just like me to do this amazing (laughs) thing that I did. Yeah, it is. It is just like us. And it's, well, it's just so funny how true it feels though. Like when we're in the moment and we're saying, "Ugh, you know, I never get up early enough to you know, do my morning run. I never, right. And it feels true in the morning and it it takes, it takes that effort to step back and say, Whoa, you know, wait a minute, like six times last week, I woke up early, like I intended to. So yes. Yeah, absolutely. So there's another concept that I love bag of ones. And, and the, the concept is that if you walk into a room and there's a hundred people And 99 of those people react very politely and graciously towards you. And one person acts like an ass to you. Mm -hmm. You carry that one interaction with you to the next social event. Yes, we do. Right. (laughs) That, that, that person is now in your bag of ones that you carry with you wherever you go. And so it's the same thing. If you screw up one time, that's what your brain decides to carry with you into yeah. the next time. Right. Yeah. And it's it's understandable why your brain does that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it wants to protect you from the pain yep. of experiencing that again. Yeah. Right? But 
it limits us. It limits us. So again, you have to step back and look at the other 99 people um, who were pleasant um, to (laughs) Right, right. Right. Exactly. The other 99 (laughs) times you actually did. Remember your car keys. Right. Well, I mean, and how many physicians deal with this as well, though, Angela, right? I mean, is vast majority of patients um, are very grateful and polite. And then one um, Mm -hmm. is rude or makes a complaint. And that's what we that's what we fixate on. Yeah, for sure. For sure. sure. Yeah. So along with that, too, like, like what you were saying, building integrity with yourself is critical on the way to achieving your goal or not quitting on your goal. Right. And so a lot of people think that in order to build integrity with themselves, they have to reach the goal, right? Mm -hmm. They have to run. I'm just going to keep coming back to the half marathon example. They have to run the half marathon in order to be proud of themselves Mm -hmm. and feel like they have committed to themselves. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. that's not actually true. You build integrity with yourself all the way along the road to your goal. Right. And so looking for ways to do that every single day is critical to not giving up and not quitting. Brooke Castillo of the Life Coach School talks about a concept called minimum baseline. Mm -hmm. And I love that concept because it's so attainable for me. So when you set a goal, let's say it is to run a half marathon, what is the minimum thing that you can reliably do right now? Right. Maybe that thing is to go for a 20 minute walk. Mm -hmm. Maybe Mm -hmm. that's the thing, right? Because you know, you are absolutely confident. I can, I can go walk for 20 minutes right now. I know that I can do that three times this week. All right, do it. And have that be able to help build your integrity with yourself because you make a commitment and then you follow through. Exactly. And what your, your brain will do will be like, well, that's ridiculous. Walking for 20 minutes, three times this week is not going to get you to your half marathon goal. But that's how you know that then that's the right thing to focus on, right? When your brain tells you it's ridiculous, then right. you know you're on the right track because yeah. you're like, all right, yeah, this is what I need to do right now because mm-hmm. I'm building integrity with myself. Mm-hmm. And next week, it's going to be 20 minutes five days a week. And then after that, maybe we'll run for five minutes, right? And you do that a little by little by little, and you build confidence and integrity. And then before you know it, you're closer to your goal than you were when you started. Exactly. And it's exactly the same in weight loss. So we teach the same concept and we call them 1% wins in, in, inside our programming at Ways of Health. And so it's, it's, it's asking yourself, what one small thing can you accomplish today in favor of your goals? In Atomic Habits, James Clear will will use the language of casting a vote, <laughs> right? In in favor of of what you want for yourself. So, like, how can how can you cast votes for yourself um, today? And and so we have these five foundational habits um, inside the program. And what we do is look for the small thing, right? So 
if, for example, you're working on sleep, we don't ask you to add 90 minutes extra every night. We ask you to add five minutes, right? And yes. right, and, and and we get the same, you know, pushback. I mean, five minutes extra sleep is not going to make a deal, you know, a, a big difference. But five minutes, even just six days a week, is a half hour extra sleep over the course of a week. And then maybe next week you can add t- uh, ten minutes more to your sleep. That's an hour more if you do that, you know, six times a week. And by accomplishing these small 1% wins, you do exactly what you say. You you build integrity with yourself. You learn to trust yourself because you're doing what you say you're going to do. And these little 1% wins add up to big changes over the time. And, you know, women see this all of the time um, in in weight loss. It's the small little steps that get you there. And, you know, the other thing is that, you know, if you are, and it's back to the hundred pound example, or, you know, the half marathon example, Mm -hmm. right? If it still feels so far away, it's Mm -hmm. paralyzing, Mm -hmm. but feeling like you can go for a 20 minute walk or, have an extra serving of vegetables um, in a day feels doable. And, you know, that's, that's how we get there. Just, just one small step at a time. I think, I think the problem is, is our society expects everything to happen so quickly, (laughs) right? Like we want Amazon delivered tomorrow and we want to meet our goals. pronto. So, yes. Right. Yeah. 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 I, I think we have to remind ourselves that, you know, it's okay to just, you know, breathe I, and, and, you know, take this one step at a time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons that we are in such a rush is because of how we think we'll get to feel mm-hmm. when we reach our goal. Right. We think right. that well, I'm not allowed to be proud of myself right now, but I can be proud of myself when I lose a hundred pounds. Right. Okay. So how do I hurry up and get there Yeah. so that I can feel proud of myself? Yeah. When the reality is that you get to feel how you want to feel now, you're a hundred percent worthy of those feelings right now. Mm -hmm. And you can also take those steps to reach your goal, but not because you can't feel good about yourself until you do it. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's so important because if you are waiting to lose that hundred pounds or to run that half marathon to feel proud about yourself, that feeling is still going to be short-lived, right? You'll have your little high from reaching the goal, but then what? Right. But, but, but then what, right? Exactly. You yeah. go back to, to beating yourself up exactly. for being not good enough because one of the, the quotes that I've heard that I absolutely love is that we are the same person in the Valley as we are on the mountain. Oh gosh. So true. You know, it's so funny. I just went and did a live inside my community saying that uh-huh. exact, that exact same thing, right? It's, it, it is, it's so true. And I think, you know, one of the ways we can practice feeling those feelings now is celebrating, accomplishing all of those little things along the way um, yeah. as well and focusing and, you know, um, I, who wrote the book, um, the gap in the gain, Oh. It's, 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 it slips my mind, yellow yes. cover, but okay. um, I, I love, he, he talks about um, 
looking at the gain, which is, you know, looking how far you've come and what you've already accomplished rather than focusing on the gap, which is how far you still have to go. Yes. Right. Because I, you know, I see this, you know, all the time it's, you know, I have um, a client who's lost 45 pounds and she's still focusing, but yeah, but yeah, but I still have 40 to go. I'm like, you've lost 45 (laughs) freaking pounds. This is amazing. We forget sometimes like just how much, how much we've already done. And I think, you know, and, and, you know, tell me if you agree, but I think part Mm -hmm. of also not quitting on your goals is celebrating every step that you, you make along the way to achieving them. Yes, absolutely. And oftentimes what you accomplish on the way to the goal is way more satisfying and long lasting than achieving the goal. Mm -hmm. Right? Like it's Mm -hmm. all the work you do on the way to becoming the person that you want to be on the mountain when you're in the valley. Right. That's where the real value lies. And the goal itself almost becomes secondary to all of the things that you get to accomplish and all the feelings you get to feel about yourself along the way. A hundred percent agree. A hundred percent agree. And I think another, another way our culture makes this difficult is like rock stars, for instance, right? They all look like they're overnight sensations, right? But, but (laughs) what, but what we don't see is all of the you know, playing their guitar on the street corners and, you know, the little shows in the, you know, small town pubs and right. All the things that they did for years to hone their craft before, you know, they, they, they made it big on the radio or, or, or whatever. Right. And I, I like telling people that because it just shows that, you know, there, there is this process that we have to go through. And it's, it's like, yeah, I mean, we're not all going to be rock stars, but we might run half marathons and we mm-hmm. might lose a hundred pounds and how we're going to get there is by, you know, playing the dive bars on Thursday night. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like just putting in that unglamorous, <laughs> tedious work, that's, what's going to get you there. And it's not going to be comfortable either. People think like, well, I know if I set the right goal because I'm always motivated and it's always like dreamy on the way there. And it's like, no, it's hard. And it doesn't feel very comfortable most of most the time. Of the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. I mean, this, you bring up an excellent point though about motivation. And, you know, we've talked a little bit about the importance of, you know, self-integrity and, you know, showing up for yourself and doing the things that you say that you're going to do. But I always get the question, but I don't feel motivated or I don't want to. Do you have any advice for, you know, what to do when your brain starts offering you these objections? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I love that. Cause I used to do that all the time mm-hmm. about exercising, mm-hmm. right? Like I knew that I, as I got older, I knew that I needed to do strength training, right? Cause you lose muscle mass as you get older and, mm-hmm. and I didn't love strength training. And, um, and so I was like, yeah, but I don't feel like it. So why should I do, I just don't feel like it today. Mm-hmm. I want to do something that I, that I'm into doing, like going for a walk or a hike or whatever. 
But when I told myself, well, so what? Those are two totally different concepts, right? Like whether or not you're motivated, whether or not you feel like it has absolutely nothing to do with whether or not you actually do it. Right. They are completely unrelated. So what I did in my mind is I just uncoupled them. And it was like, I totally don't want to do this. And here I go. I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. And, it and I made it. I just made them disconnected. Right. Because they really don't have anything to do with each other. No. And you know, this is exactly like, think of like, we never want to go to the dentist and we no. no. like, no. we never want to stand in line for an hour to, you know, buy tickets to a concert. We still do it. It's like no. half the time when I'm falling half dead into bed at night, I don't want to brush my teeth either. Right. right? And yeah. I still yeah. do it. <laughs> and I, I think it's because that's what we're doing. Like we're, we're uncoupling that need to feel motivated to do these, you know, mundane tasks that are our responsibilities, you know, dur- during the day, right? right? right. Which, you know, yeah. you have to brush your teeth before you go to bed. Yes. Right? And- I never want to go into my son's room to get him up for school because it's miserable. He <laughs> fights me. <laughs> he ignores me. He pulls the covers over his head. He growls at me. I never, ever want to do that. I would much rather just sleep in and not deal with it. But I never actually let that thought creep in, right? It's like, yeah, I hate doing this. Okay. That's fine. I cannot like this. And and now I'm going to go get him up and fight with him and get him ready for school and drop him off. (laughs) Do you have any idea why it's so easy for us to do that for, you know, tasks like getting your son out of bed for school in the morning or brushing your teeth. But when it comes to your goals, your personal goals, it's just not so easy. So I think there, there are three versions of ourselves, right? There's, there's our actual self and that's the person who we are with our current capabilities. There's our ideal self that's the person who, um, those are our hopes and dreams. And that's the person we could be. Mm -hmm. And then there's our ought self, which is the person that we should be, or that we think we should be right. So that's like commitment, obligation, duty. Right. And so the difference between our, our actual self and our ought self causes a lot of, um, that agitation, right? That feeling of obligation, agitation, and that agitation is, um, motivates action, right? right? So we feel, most of us feel like, well, we should brush our teeth, mm-hmm. right? We, we want to have teeth when we're older. So we should, brush them. We should take care of them. Yeah. I should take my son to school in the morning. <laughs> I should get him out of bed and take him to school. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that it's pretty easy just to take action from that agitation, right? Right. When you think about the difference between our actual self and our ideal self, that's a little bit murkier, right? Like that, when I think about who I could be, who I want to be, Mm -hmm. that is a little bit more overwhelming. Yeah. It's a little bit scary, Mm -hmm. right? And those feelings are much easier to sort of turn away from 
then that agitation feeling of like, I should do this. All right. I'm just going to do this. I need to do this. I need to brush my teeth. Does that make sense? Like that? that, that yeah, that actually makes a ton of sense. Um, thank you. Thank you for clarifying that. Cause you know, I've, I've often wondered in my own life, like why I can have so much resistance to brushing my teeth yet I'll go do it anyway. And yet I'll have half the amount of resistance of like eating broccoli. Um, and we'll sit and stare at the bowl for 20 minutes. Right? So, but that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah because that, that, that feeling of when we picture our ideal self, who we want to be, whether that self is the person who runs a half marathon or is a hundred pounds lighter. That's, that's really big. Mm -hmm. Like that, all of those feelings, the overwhelm and the fear too. Yeah. Uncomfortable. Right. And it's scary to think that, well, what do I need to do? Who do I need to be to get to my ideal self? Well, I have to be a person who feels the discomfort of eating broccoli when I'd rather just eat some cookies or some potato chips. Yeah. I have to become the person who gets up in the morning and goes for a run when I don't want to, when I don't feel motivated, Mm -hmm. I have to become a person who puts myself in social situations so that I can make friends and meet people and network or the person who starts a podcast and puts themselves out in the public sphere or in social media, that's who I have to become in order to get to my ideal self. Right. That's scary. I'm just going to do the shoulds. I'm going to be my ought self and do all these other little things that are kind of annoying, but I know that I can do them. Yeah. Yeah. But here's, you know, this is what I like about this is, you know, when you practice being that person that you want to become when you practice being your ideal self, eventually you actually believe that identity and then it becomes easier, right? So if I go back to that Italy example of, you know, turning down the incident commander role, I have now taken on the identity of a leader. I identify as a leader now um, and it becomes much easier for me to step into that role and lead when I need to. Right. And, you know, I don't actually struggle with the broccoli anymore. It's Mm -hmm. like, I fully identify as somebody who um, loves and enjoys vegetables. And so Mm -hmm. they are no longer a problem for me, but they were for like a decade. Right. And, and so it's just, you know, it's just like me to like vegetables. (laughs) (laughs) So like you, Michelle, (laughs) to love that bowl of broccoli. (laughs) It's so true, right? It's just, it's practice and the way that we train our brain because you trained your brain to not like vegetables Mm -hmm. and you trained your brain to think of yourself as not a leader. So Mm -hmm. why couldn't you do the opposite. The opposite. There's yeah. no, there's no reason why you couldn't. Yeah. yeah. It just, it's, it takes work and it takes practice and it's uncomfortable until huh. it's not until right. it's well, it, who you are. Exactly. Right. And I think, I think when it comes to embracing your goals, you have to also embrace this idea that it will be uncomfortable sometimes, but on mm-hmm. the other side of that discomfort is, you know, an, an amazing feeling that, that is worth it. 
right? Yes, it's worth absolutely. it. And, and it goes back to what you said about not waiting till you run the half marathon or lose the hundred pounds to feel proud or celebrate. It's like every time you overcome that discomfort and do the thing that you say that yeah. you're going to do, yeah. you, but you build just, you build just a little bit more of, of that excitement. Right. Right. Absolutely. And that's why looking at our past regrets to sort of bring it full circle is so powerful mm -hmm. because that really is your roadmap. Like that's your clue to who you want to be in the future. Right. And, and all, you know, the, the little agitations and the, the tedium and the discomfort that is ahead of you on your way to being that person that's so temporary compared to the regrets that you have in the past. Right. right. So if you can flip those and turn them into your goals and your roadmap for your life, then that makes all of that discomfort worth it. And all of that, the change that you have to go through to become that person so worth it. Right. Right. And now again, you know, when we talk about the discomfort of reaching for our goals, if you combine mm -hmm. that with, you know, the goals that we kind of talked about at the very start of this that are maybe um, put upon us by mm -hmm. family or by society or whatever mm -hmm. it is. And, mm -hmm. I mean, how could we ever reach goals if, if that's our starting point? Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right. yeah. The, the first step to setting goals is really knowing, getting to know yourself and figuring mm -hmm. out what it is that you want. Mm -hmm. That's the yeah. first. And, you know, Angela, it doesn't surprise me that, you know, women will say to you when you ask them that question, I don't know. Because, mm -hmm. you know, it's um, when I designed the Nourish Yourself program, the mm -hmm. first lesson is is tapping into your why, why you want to yeah. do this. And there's yeah. multiple exercises. And I thought this was going to be like a quick, quick piece, but mm -hmm. it takes many women often a full month to work through it all to actually understand the real reasons why they want to yeah. lose weight. And in fact, sometimes women go through that process and come to the conclusion that they don't want to lose weight at all, um, yeah. which is equally fantastic. Yes. Right. Um, yeah. but that was such a huge shocker for me because, um, I thought that, that that would be just like a easy, gentle introduction, um, to the program. And it turns out it's, it's probably one of the most difficult, you know, pieces that, that women do, um, and keep circling back to, because as they learn more about themselves, um, mm -hmm. and they understand their values a little bit more, you know, their, their reasons, um, change, change as well. So, um, mm -hmm. I think, I think that's, exciting as, as well. And, and I think it's, it's, you know, also important because, you know, back to that half marathon example, it's like, maybe you're training and you realize, you know, 10 K is your, your ideal race length, right? Yeah, that's, yeah. that's what you love and you can change your goal. Okay. You know what? Absolutely. I'm going to run a 10 K right. Or the opposite, or it's like, you know what I'm, you know, I'm feeling a full marathon, right? Yeah. That's my new goal. Right. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Love it. There was um, something I read once and I'm probably going to butcher it, but it was something like keep your values set in stone and your goals written in sand. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that so too. Your, your that. values don't change and your goals can change. And that's totally fine. My right. goals now, my career goals are completely different than they were three years ago. Oh, yeah. Completely different. 
Mine's so much more in line with what I actually want. Right. And oh my gosh, I mean, me too, but is it ever hard? I think, you know, you and I have, have talked about this before, but I trained in an academic institution in Toronto and had full expectations of being um, an academic emergency physician, researching, publishing uh, papers, doing all the things. And I now work in a community hospital where I am happy beyond measure, but it took me four years, and I'm not even exaggerating, four years um, to let go of the shame that I held around working in a community hospital instead of an instead of an academic one. Um, Right. So, I mean, it's not easy to let go of what others around us are telling us our goals, our goals should be. Absolutely. And and I did the same thing. I was on a specific career track and was, was really collecting accomplishments. I feel like just, you know, trying to fill that void of, of worthiness. And once I stopped that and I, I took a completely different job, and I dropped all the leadership roles, all the academic roles, and I'm so much happier, but I had to work through a lot of the stuff that came up. It was a lot of insecurity yeah. that came up about, well, now I'm not valuable. And now what am I going to do? And what are people going to think of me? And they're going to look down on me. And I, you know, like I'm not as good as my peers now who are publishing and Um, all of that, when you stop, when you stop just hustling, 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 all of that stuff comes up. (laughs) It's so true. You know what? I I like to look at it as the difference between striving and thriving. Oh yeah. Right. So I think like when we're striving, we're, we're reaching for more accomplishments, right. For goals that are going to give us some external validation, right. Mm -hmm. Versus thriving, which is where we're, um, we're reaching for things that are in line with our values that are going to, um, put us into this place of being the women that we want to be Mm -hmm. right. And striving feels heavy, (laughs) heavy with expectation and thriving Mm -hmm. feels so much more lighter and, um, and just a little bit more right. So um, I I often ask myself, like if I, um, I love to collect courses and certificates and things like this. And Uh I like to, I like to ask myself before I like hit the purchase button, (laughs) like, (laughs) am I striving or am I thriving? Cause if if, if it's a striving thing, then I, I've just learned now to say no. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I love that. Good. Good. All right, Angela, I think this has been such a valuable conversation. Um, You've given me a lot of things to think about in terms of my own life and um, goals that um, I just actually, it's my birthday next week and I recorded a podcast um, to come out on my, on my 46th birthday. Cause I've had, I've had all of these thoughts of being like, I'm now closer to 50 than I am 40. And it's, it's having me, you know, um, reevaluate a lot of things. And so you, um, you know, you mentioned a lot of things um, today that I think I'm going to take away and, and spend some time um, thinking about in terms of how I want my life to look at 50. So awesome! thank you so much for that. Oh, you're welcome. Happy early birthday. Thank you so much. (laughs) Are there any last parting words of wisdom that you have for us today, Angela? I want your listeners to know that they do not have to earn the right to want what they want. Hmm. Oh, whatever that is, (laughs) they deserve to want that. Right. No matter what. 
Yeah. Did you hear that, everyone? You deserve to want the things that you want. I love it. I love that so much. All right, Angela, if people want to learn more about you or work with you, um, where can they find you? So my website is the mindmanagementcoach.com. So it starts with the word the, the mindmanagementcoach.com. Or you can find me on Instagram at Angela Wiesenmeyer, MD. So if you put in Angela and then V-E-E, my name will come up. You don't have to spell out the whole thing, but it's Angela Wiesenmeyer, MD on Instagram. That is perfect. And we'll have that information in the show notes for you as well. All right. Thank you so much for the conversation today, Angela. Thank you. So much fun. There you have it, the interview with Angela Wiesenmeyer. That was so inspiring, Angela. I just re-listened to that episode to do the transcript for it, and I just found myself motivated all over again to take a look at my goals and make some progress towards them. You just so much wisdom in there. Thank you so much for sharing all that with us, Angela. If you'd like to know more about Angela, you can find her over on Facebook at Angela Wiesenmeyer, MD. She's on Instagram at that handle as well. And if you head on over to her website, which is themindmanagementcoach.com forward slash free workbook, you can download an amazing resource to help you get started on identifying your goals and then taking steps to reach them. And if you have a goal of weight loss in particular, I would love to have you join us in our six-month group coaching program called Nourish Yourself, Body and Mind. For more information, head on over to the website, waysahealth.com, or just go to nourishyourselfbodyandmind.com for all information about this program. If you have any questions, reach out to me on social media. I'm at Ways of Health on both Facebook and Instagram. Both Angela and I would love to hear from you, so don't be a stranger reach out and let us know your thoughts on this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in this week and I look forward to bringing you more content next week. Thanks again.